Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Uh, with that, this morning, obviously, as indicated by our candle lighting this morning, is the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, you know, I, I love this time of year. I really do. I, I think uh, different people have different uh, feelings about Christmas and the whole Christmas season. Uh, some people I know get depressed and, and sad uh, around this time of year. Uh, I, I, other people really get into shopping and going out. I, Donna didn't, she went out on Black Friday this year, but she didn't get up. Years gone by, she'll get up at midnight and do the midnight thing or whatever. I'm not into shopping. I don't like that. I like to stay home and sit by the fire. But I do love the season. <laughs> so I'm excited for uh, Advent to begin. We put our tree up yesterday and uh, it's, it's just, uh, I, I love this time of year. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to uh, even take a little break in our study in the Gospel of Luke and focus in on Advent, the arrival of Jesus over the next few weeks. Um, you know, and we actually are going to be in the Gospel of Luke today, not in our continuing series. We'll be at the beginning looking at part of the Advent message. Uh, I was thinking this week, there's, there's a lot of, any, any number of Bible heroes, um, different people that we can look to throughout Scripture as examples of faith, as examples of, of strength in the Lord and, and people who follow God, some people who uh, do great exploits for God. And sometimes uh, we're attracted to those folks who kind of conquer the mountain or whatever. Uh, you know, so, so whether it's uh, Abraham or Moses or Elijah or David or uh, Peter or Paul or Stephen or whoever, uh, there's a lot of those Bible heroes. But I, I'm going to I'm going to say today, I, I really think the focus of our message today uh, is on Mary, and I really believe Mary is my favorite Bible hero. Um, Mary never planted a church. Uh, she did not lead thousands or hundreds of people to the Lord or uh, anybody, I think, that we're aware of. Uh, she, she never healed anybody that we're aware of. She never preached a powerful sermon. Um, Mary's entire legacy really lies in one moment and, and in, in one response, and that is that she said yes to God. And uh, that's our title this morning. If you want to go to that for me, she said yes. I love that image. I, I searched a, a bunch of images of Mary and Gabriel. I chose that one because Gabriel has a mullet. And I just felt like that Gabriel's confident. You know, you're going to step out and, and uh, wear the mullet. Um, but I, I do really uh, value and appreciate the willingness of Mary to respond in the affirmative to God. So I want to pray again, and then we'll, we'll dive into the word this morning. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, those people in Scripture that we can look to as... Uh, 
as examples of faith and life in you. I thank you especially this morning for the mother of Jesus and the uh, willingness that she had to do what she was called upon to do. And I pray that you would uh, just encourage us by your word today uh, and, and just bless uh, the hearts of your people this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and look at the text, if we could. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. One more, please. And boom. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So Mary was uh, pledged to be married, uh, very similar to an engagement today, uh, a little more formal of a process, a little more legally binding than an engagement would be if someone um, were to want to get out of a, of a pledge to be married it would be a legal proceeding much like a divorce and a marriage would be today. So it's a little more legally binding, but very similar to an engagement period. Usually that pledge period was a year or longer, sometimes up to two years, during which time the husband would go away and uh, build a house and prepare uh, everything for the life together of this new couple. Uh, it's, it's transition from childhood to adulthood was, was a little more clear-cut then than it is now. Today, it's, it's sort of this um, three, four, five, eight, ten-year period of time. Uh, you know, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. Um, but uh, it was very, very clear then. Uh, you, you would, uh, there was no waiting to get married until you finished school or until you launched your career or even until you found the right person because the marriage would be prearranged by the families uh, very early on. And so it's, it's, it's quite likely, quite possible, Mary would have known that she would be marrying Joseph from even a young age. And so during this betrothal period, uh, th they would be pledged, Joseph would go off and get things ready, and then they would, they would begin their, their life together. Um, and that was the way it worked. And that was all very routine. That was the process. It was very normal. Everything up until this moment in time was very, very normal. The process that Mary was, was involved in would have been a very similar process that any other young person would have been involved in at that time until this day and this angel shows up. So, uh, you know, this is not your everyday average ordinary garden variety angel. 
none other than Gabriel himself. Gabriel had been around for a while. If you look at scripture, uh, it was Gabriel who assisted the prophet Daniel several hundred years before this. So I don't know the lifespan of an angel, but apparently it's out there. And uh, in addition to that, Gabriel is one of only three angels in Scripture who are actually named. And so, although it's not explicitly stated, there appears to be some sort of an angelic hierarchy and that Gabriel probably sits up pretty high on the, on the uh, chart of angels. But uh, as he shows up here to young Mary, and, and again, I forgot to mention Mary was probably uh, 12 or 13 years old. That would be the normal uh, time frame for somebody to get married uh, or to at least get betrothed to be married. But he shows up and he has a friendly greeting, if you will. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now that's a nice thing to say to somebody. Somebody walked up to me and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. I would be blessed by that. Uh, Mary, it says, was, was greatly troubled. Um, and I can imagine the word there in the Greek is diatroso. It, it, it's the word that we get distressed from. And it's a combination of feelings. There would have been some, some concern on her part mixed with some confusion. And that would have been combined also with some fear. Um, so so she, it was a little overwhelming. And I get that. I get it that it would be overwhelming to have this high-ranking high angel show up. Uh, and I, I would add here, as normal as Mary's life had been up to that moment, there was nothing normal about this. This was not in, in the cards. This is not a daily occurrence that an angel would show up to a young girl engaged to be married. Uh, so, she, so she asks a very uh, legit question. She says, well, what, what might this mean? Um, but after Gabriel's greeting to her, his initial greeting, things kind of go from bad to worse. If you would go to the next slide, this is what he says to her. Don't be afraid. That's good. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him his throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Um, okay. Well, nothing like that has ever happened before. He says the uh, Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That is a, uh, a word that refers back to the Old Testament. And what it really means is that the glory of God will be manifest in a tangible way. So it's the same word that's used of when the glory filled the temple. Same, same concept. The glory of God will be manifest in a tangible way. This time it won't fill the temple. You'll get pregnant. Um, that's interesting. He also uh, informs Mary, her cousin Elizabeth, who is substantially older and had been unable to conceive a child and is considered now beyond childbearing years, is also pregnant. So a lot of information. And this is, uh, all in all, a, a fairly unusual day, I suppose. Um, and if you think about it, really, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for Mary, it's unprecedented, right? Nothing remotely like this has ever happened in history. Let's be honest, for, for you and I here today, this is a weird story. 
Okay, let's just be let's just be honest about that. It's it's weird. It's very we read it and we go, man, that's an interesting concept. Um, but here's the thing: we've grown up with this. We've read it hundreds of times. We've celebrated it every year our whole life. Uh, we were taught this as children. Our parents read us the story from storybooks. We've seen Hallmark TV movies about it. And so it's sort of ingrained into our culture over the last couple thousand years. So as weird as it is to us today, we have all of that history behind this. Mary had none of that. This was brand new news. It was not fake news. It was real news, but it was new news. Nothing, nothing, nothing like this had ever happened. No one had ever heard of anything like this. There was actually, and again, there's one verse in Isaiah that talks a little bit about the virgin will conceive. I'm sure that, see, and again, for us, we read Isaiah, we see the birth story, we go, okay, this is that. We connect the dots very quickly, but they didn't have the dots to connect. So I, I would imagine people in their day reading that passage in Isaiah and saying to themselves, hmm, I wonder what that will be like. How will that happen? That seems very weird. And now all of a sudden, this is reality. This is happening. <clears throat> I, I was trying to think, what would be an equivalent? What, what sort of news could we get? What would happen? What angelic message could come to us that would be remotely like this? And I don't know what it would be, you know? I'm going to supernaturally transport you in a, through time to Mars where you will train Martian sea monkeys to do circus tricks and you'll come back and start a traveling circus. I mean, I don't have any idea what, there's nothing, there's no equivalent, there's nothing we can imagine that would be similar to a message like this. And yet, and if you'll uh, go ahead and click the next slide. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. She responds positively. So a couple things about Mary. The first point I want to make is this, and that is simply that God chose Mary. Uh, he could, he's God, right? Could have chose anybody. He could have found someone older, wiser, uh, smarter, richer, more qualified, whatever, I don't know. Uh, but he chose Mary. And, and this is... Uh, Realistically speaking, this is the setup, this is the prequel to the greatest miracle of all time. I mean, up until this point, look, God parted the Red Sea, uh, he multiplied oil for Elijah, he kept Daniel and his buddies alive in a flaming furnace. Easy peasy, no problem. Small potatoes. This is the real McCoy. Uh, This is the center of God's entire plan for humanity. Before the foundation of the world, before God flung the stars from his fingertips and spoke all things into being, this was the plan that he had. Before Adam and Eve, before uh, the Old Testament, before Abraham and Moses and Elijah and David and everybody else, before any of that, this is the moment that God looked forward to. The moment when Emmanuel, God with us, would actually be with us. It's the pivotal point in all of human history. Jesus, God, came to earth and became a person. And, you know, I was thinking about that this week as we were decorating at home. 
Um, we have fall decorations, and the day after Thanksgiving, down go the fall decorations, and up come the Christmas decorations. I was thinking that Christmas shouldn't really be a, a once-a-year reality, that um, if there's anything we could do as followers of Jesus, I think it would be to learn to walk in the incarnate presence of God and that Emmanuel God with us reality all year long and to, to be mindful of the fact that God is actually with us. Um, we lose sight of that sometimes, and I think um, regardless of circumstances, God is with us. Regardless of ups and downs in life and anything we may endure, uh, God, God is, is with us. And, and uh, it would be behoove us, I think, to be mindful and to learn to walk in that reality throughout the course of the year um, as, as big as this was, pivotal point in all of human history, there was no, uh, no major rollout. There was no social media blitz. There was no full-page full page ad, no radio announcements. None of that happened. Um, God uh, told uh, some shepherds out in a field, that's nice, and a couple years uh, after the fact, uh, some stargazers figured it out on their own. But other than that, no one really knew what was going on. It was sort of under the radar. Um, God shows up uh, to this, uh, I'm going to say somewhat insignificant, um, lower middle class teenager from a small town and makes an announcement, and God chose her. And I don't know why. You know, why her? Why Mary, uh, of all the people? It's interesting, if, if we sat down and I said, let's do an exercise today, let's, let's remove it from this story. Let's do an exercise and say, I want you to write a list for me of the three or four top qualifications you think a person would have to have to be used by God for a very major event in history. And what would we write? I mean, we would all think, I don't know, you, you know, humility maybe, uh, boldness, uh, great faith. You know, we, we would each have our own sort of criteria. It's weird, if you look at Scripture, I, I, was th I thought about it this week. So if you use Scripture as a guideline for who might God use, you'll never figure it out because it's all over the map. You got David. David was the youngest and the smallest and often lacked good judgment. You have Abraham, who's not the youngest. He's the oldest. He's over the hill. And he also had a little indiscretion with the maid. Uh, you've got people like Thomas, whose key qualification was doubt. So, so really the qualifications of a person that God might use are all over the place. There's no way you can look and say, this is the person God would call. And I think you get the idea here. Uh, God clearly has a very different criteria than we do in whom he's willing to use. And he shows up to Mary here today. I will say this on Mary's behalf. And one of the things I like about her is that she's one of the few people in, all, in the entire scripture that comes through unscathed. She, she, ne she never really got off course. She, she, she stayed the course and, and walked it all the way out to the end. The reality that God chose Mary, I think, should be very good news to you and I. 
Because uh, clearly if God can use Mary, he can use you and he can use me. I, I believe this. I, I believe God wants to use us. I believe God will use us. Uh, I, I believe that there is in the heart of every person the potential to be used of God to do amazing things in his kingdom uh, regardless of what sort of earthly, uh, humanly speaking qualifications you might have. Look at 1 Corinthians for a second. It says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. If you ever feel foolish, if you ever feel weak, if you ever feel uh, unqualified in any way, I would say welcome. You're probably right where God wants you to be. There is a catch, and the catch is this, that I think, uh, like Mary, we need to respond positively. We need to say, yes, I'm willing to do what you call me to do, God, regardless of how outlandish that might seem at this very moment. I mean, think about it. The angel kind of laid the cards on the table, and Mary responded. It was a, that was a bit overwhelming. young girl and she's um, preparing for her life. She's going to settle down and get married and have a family. White picket fence and 2.5 kids and a dog. It's a good plan. It's a very nice plan. I think she was looking forward to a very lovely and peaceful life together with Joseph. And then this happened. And Mary says, in that moment, without a whole lot of thought, your word to, be, to me be fulfilled. You know, and with that statement, Mary relinquished all of her hopes and dreams. Everything she had planned on, anything that she thought might happen, was not going to happen any longer. From that moment forward, nothing would ever be as Mary expected it to be. This is not a short-term commitment. Sometimes God calls us today, uh, some friends of mine, you guys, some of you know the Babcocks from Hope Vineyard, were called to go to Africa and work at a church in Tanzania. It may be a couple-year commitment. It may be a three-year commitment. I don't know. This is a lifetime commitment he's called her to. This isn't a week or two weeks or a month or two years or three years or five years. It's, it's a whole life. I'm asking you, I'm calling you to raise the Son of God. And not only that, but, you know, let's be real. Who's going to believe this? She's going to be labeled. She's going to be ostracized. She's going to be outcast. I won't say the names that people will call Mary, but you know them. Joseph didn't even believe her at first. One of Gabriel's buddies had to show up and, and let him know what was going on. And, and I, you think about the task at hand. I mean, look, parents, raising kids is hard work. It really is. And when you're raising your kids, as, as parents, especially young parents, the concern is all the time... I, I don't want to mess this up. Uh, 
okay? I've got this, this gift, and I don't want to mess this up. And so you're really mindful of, of trying to raise your child correctly so that they'll be a good person and that they'll be a contributing citizen and all, all the things that we think about. And, you know, I just think about the pressure on Mary to raise the Son of God. You don't want to mess that up. That could have far-reaching implications. Mary had every reason, humanly speaking, to say no. Gabriel, uh, you know, look, can you find somebody else? When God invites us into his work in the world today, regardless of, of what it is he invites us into, just any ministry opportunity, there's no guarantee that it will be easy. I would say this, almost, uh, almost certain it will be more complex and difficult than if you don't do it. When you say yes to God, I'll, I'll do what you're calling me to do the very high probability is that your life will become more difficult and more complex. Uh, if you just, I mean, again, look at Scripture. If you look at Hebrews 11 is probably the shining example there, sort of the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 references over 20 people who were heroes of faith used by God in great ways. And frankly, things didn't go well for any of them. Nothing was easy. God's promise is that he will be with us in the midst of whatever he calls us to. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise of God. Uh, we get to partner with him in the kingdom of God and the advancement of his kingdom and the work that he's doing in the world today. But he doesn't say it'll be easy. Mary isn't a prophet she can't see the future. She says yes with the terms of the whole arrangement are really not disclosed. I'm wondering, you know, well, let's see, Mary. Here's how things are going to go down. Nine months from now when the baby's due, you're not going to be home. You're going to be traveling. And oh, by the way, there won't be any hotels or motels available. So, you know, you're going to have the baby in a barn with animals and poop. Have you ever been in a barn without poop? Um, so there's that. A couple years later, Herod is going to have a really bad day, and he's going to try to kill your child. And so what you're going to have to do then is flee the country and go into a foreign country where you don't know anyone or speak the language and become a refugee. Hello? A little reprieve after that. Things work out for a while. Jesus will grow up. Adolescence, teenage years, go okay. But then he starts his ministry. He's going to start saying crazy things. Weirdly enough, the 
poor and the sick and the outcasts and every other variety of loser will be attracted to him. But both the religious right and the political powers of the day are going to really, really be upset. And after a couple of years, they can't take it anymore. So they're going to arrest him, beat him up really bad, and nail him to a cross. And who's there the whole time watching it all happen? Mary is. Saying yes is not a guarantee that all will go well for you. It's not a guarantee that your life will be free from pain. But the upside is you do get to be a part of what God's doing in the world today. You, you get to see and participate in the advancement of God's kingdom into the lives of people around you. You, you get to participate in miracles when you express a willingness to say yes to God in the way that Mary did. So my encouragement today is say yes. God calls you to do something that's a little outside of the box. Just say yes. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.